Worshipful brethren, brethren all, welcome to Freemasonry in seven minutes or less. In this episode, we will be discussing King Solomon's other temples. In 1 King chapter 11, we come across a very interesting crisis of King Solomon in his devotion towards the Lord of Israel. In chapter 11, it describes the degeneration of his worship due to the influence of the religious practices of his many foreign wives, which served to draw him away from the worship of the Lord. I will read the first eight verses to give you a perspective. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women beside Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because you will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of, the, of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all of his foreign wives, who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. So from the text, we read that Solomon worshipped Ashtoreth, Moloch, and Chemosh, whilst he built high places to Moloch and Chemosh on a hill at east of Jerusalem. Whilst Moloch, the god who demanded the burnt sacrificial offering of children, is most is almost certainly recognisable to listeners, the god Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, may not be. Evidence for this deity can be found in the archaeological record in an artefact very creatively named the Moabite Stone that correlates the biblical story in 2 Kings chapter 3. In summary, King Mesha, the creator of the Moabite Stone, sees a slip in power in Israel and decides to stop paying tribute. The enraged king of Israel puts together a force and bands together with Judah in the south and gains support from the Edomite king on the way to Moab. En route, the king consults a prophet on the way, the prophet Elisha, not to be confused with Elijah, Elijah, who tells of a miraculous event giving water to the cattle, horses and troops without rain, and that Yahweh will hand over the land of Moab to the kings. The following day, the prophet's words come true and the water appears. The armies move into Moab and the people flee from the Israelite coalition. They continue until they meet Mesha at which he sends out 700 swordsmen to attack the Edomite king, and Mesha's forces fail. At this point, Mesha is having no success until he decides to sacrifice his own son, upon which a great wrath falls upon Israel, and they withdraw and return to their land. Now, this is really interesting, as it shows that Yahweh's prophecy can be overturned, and also that Yahweh can be beaten in battle by a foreign god. So was this the reason that Solomon built a high place to Chemosh, or Moloch, on the eastern hill? Well, these are all incredibly interesting questions to explore, and I'll leave it to you to listeners to investigate further. Uh, my, my take on the events is that in Kings, it metaphorically represents the cultural issues that arose in Israel uh, from the Israelites taking wives from the different tribes that are around Jerusalem and Israel at the time. The Israelites would have taken wives, but not the other way around, as they were the dominant military force of the time. And this, of course, would have, would have had an effect upon their religious practices. Uh, this much is obvious, but what about the structures he built for them? Well, although Solomon built high places to the gods of many of his wives, he didn't build them a temple and he didn't build it in Jerusalem. 
that's a massive difference between the high place and the temple. And there is scant reference to these high places outside of kings, so we can infer their importance and their stature. I view them as an aberration in the history of Israelite religious dedication due to the foreign influence and the defeat by Chemosh. Uh, and sorry, and the, and the defeat by Chemosh is the interpretation by chroniclers of a historical battle that did not fit an overarching biblical narrative. Well, that's my two cents at least. Um, do you have any, any, anything to add, Brother Renshaw? I thought that was very interesting. Um, to me, it seems uh, rather like what was happening in Europe, whereas kings would marry the daughter of another king in another country mm. to form some alliance. Yes. And so I think Solomon, you know, he wasn't taking just Jewish wives. He was taking mm. wives from all the uh, surrounding tribes, and presumably he didn't peasant girls, so he would have taken the princesses or the no, uh, the daughters of nobility of these tribes, and therefore he was trying to keep peace, I think. And uh, I think for, uh, Solomon is known for his wisdom. I don't think he would have done anything without thinking about it really carefully. Mm -hmm. um, and um, probably the building of a a shrine is not the same as building a temple. We have shrines all over the place in Japan, but the larger temples uh, tend to be the center of worship. Um, so um, it depends. Mm, I, I wonder. I, I wonder if he actually went to these shrines and mm. gave incense or just um, let his wives go and um, do what they wanted to. Yeah, that's a good um, point. Keeping yeah. peace, at, peace at home as well as keeping peace in the nation. Um, that's my two cents worth. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. It would have been purely for political allegiance and tribal alliances, uh, the, yeah. the tribal yeah. marriages. So, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the most logical conclusion. So also we're not sure how his harem was set up. We know no. there were hundreds of women in the harem, but I'm sure they have ranks. And sure. there were the princesses and there's the, the pretty, pretty giggly girls, you know, <laughs> the blondes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, the blondes catch your eyes, but when you want a proper <laughs> marriage, you, you go to find the princess of a neighboring country, I think. Absolutely. One <laughs> with more clout. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a definite shortage of princesses nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Well, that's something to think about, at least anyway. I mean, there are things that in Kings that really, really do change your opinion. It's not something you probably would have been taught in Sunday school, but it just caught my eye the other day uh, when I was reading and um, I listened to a podcast on it. So. <laughs> Particularly also, as you mentioned earlier, um, Josephus. Yes. Josephus is some is an author that all Masons should read. Oh, I absolutely. Think, because it talks about... Um, uh, how people used to purify themselves with uh, um, ablutions and showers and yes. changing their clothes just to go into the temple mm -hmm. and um, how seriously they took the the sanctity of, of the temple, you know. And mm. um, in reality, I think what they were worried about was people who were, um, had some sort of possession 
going into the temple, mm, um, mm. coming in who was afflicted with um, some sort of negative energy, um, yes. whatever it could be. A shower won't help you, you know. Um, so I think that's the sort of thing that they were really worried about. Yes, uh, Josephus is very interesting because obviously yeah. Joseph, Joseph's last name is Flavius, taken after mm. the Roman the Roman general, um, Titus Flavius or Vespasian. Didn't didn't um, the general adopt him? And that's I think why so. that, that, that's where the name comes from. But yeah, that, yeah. that's an interesting thing. It's, it's, it's he was a turncoat. I, I suppose yeah. you, you could have right. seen him as a, as a turncoat, yeah. like. Um, you know, Bin Laden Bush, Osama Bin Bush, you know, if, if he changed <laughs> yeah, over, Well, he joined the enemy. To the yeah. Regime. Yeah. yeah. Different, well, different perspective, yes. But it's worth reading. If anybody's, if anybody's got a, a weekend, pick up Josephus. And it's online and you don't have to pay for it. It's, all, it's free if you search. That's it. And, yeah. and some kinds of folks have even read it out for you as well. So you don't need to read. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Right. And... Well, that just about brings this episode to a close. If you have any questions, please email on the link below. We now part on the square and we will meet soon. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.